The beloved ministry is inspired by chapter 7, verse 10 of the Song of Songs. I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. In this season three of the Beloved podcast, we're going to explore what it means to live in the gaze of God through reflecting on scripture and the stories of the women that we'll speak to. Hello and welcome to this new season of the Beloved Podcast. My name's Ifa Willis and I am joined today by Alice Hall. Hello Ifa. And Anna Bailey. Hi, lovely to be here. It's so nice to be here and um, those of you who are listening will maybe not realise that this is the first time we're recording this face-to-face in person, which is very exciting. And this season uh, we are thinking about living in the gaze of God. We're going to look at lots of different stories of people in scripture who've experienced the gaze of God. Um, And we're going to also explore some testimonies from lots of different people about their experience of living in the gaze of God. We've not necessarily got a song as part of the episode, but what we're going to do is build up some a list of recommendations of songs that you might be able to go away and listen to. Um, So we're going to build up that playlist. And also each episode, there's going to be an image, a piece of art or something that we can look at um, as we're reflecting on the theme of the episode. So a link to that image will be in the show notes. We'll also post it on our social media. So have a look at that. I think that's all the sort of housekeeping out of the way. So let's start today's episode. Um, And we're starting today with thinking about the gaze of God, what it means to be in the gaze of God. Um, And the scripture that we're starting with first is the story of Hagar from Genesis. Alice, you're going to introduce us to Hagar. Yeah, I think um, what's interesting to know is this is actually a title of God, El Roy, um, a title of God that says, God sees, he sees me. Um, I've currently got a beautiful little piece of art um, in my room where it has that written on a piece of wood, he sees me, and it's something I wake up to each day. But what I want to um, share with you is this scripture from Genesis 16, which is the only place in the whole of the Old and New Testament where we hear this title of God, El Roy, uh, the God who sees. So I really encourage you to go and read Genesis 16. It's very short. Um, It's only 15 verses, um, especially if you don't know the story. But I'm sure that you're aware of the story of Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham and Sarah didn't have any children. Um, They have a visitation um, from some messengers of God who prophesy that they are going to have um, children or a son but they still haven't had any children. And uh, they're getting a bit desperate, basically. Um, And in Sarah's desperation um, to give Abraham a child, she suggests that he sleeps with her maidservant, who is a slave girl, um, an Egyptian-born slave girl of hers. So he has intercourse with her, she becomes pregnant. And as soon as she's pregnant, The scriptures say different things. Some say she becomes haughty, uh, that she looks with contempt at her mistress. Um, 
that in my translation here, the new uh, revised standard version, it says her mistress lost stature in her eyes. So Sarah becomes angry because her servant's looking at her with this contempt and goes to her husband and says, my servant's being horrible to me. And then Abraham says, she's your servant, treat her as you want to. And Sarah then mistreats her so badly that Hagar runs away. So Hagar is pregnant. She runs away from Abraham and Sarah. And I just want to pick up the story there in verse seven of Genesis 16. It says, the Lord's angel found her by a spring in the wilderness, the spring on the road to Shur. And he asked, Hagar, maid of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She answered, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. But the Lord's angel told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her authority. I will make your descendants so numerous, added the Lord's angel, that they will be too many to count. Then the, the angel prophesies to her about the son that she um, is going to have, Ishmael. And after this encounter with the angel, it says in verse 13 that to the Lord who spoke to her, she gave a name saying, you are God who sees me. You are God who sees me. And in the Hebrew, this is El Roy, the God of seeing. And in various scriptures and various notes that I've been reading, it's saying that there's lots of different ways we can understand this title. Those of you who know a bit about Hebrew know that you can read and understand Hebrew in lots of different ways. Lots of words have double meanings. Um, this word I was reading, El Roy, can be um, linked to the word for shepherd, uh, that Roy in Hebrew is also shepherd. But it's about seeing and about gaze, the gaze of God. And this is the theme that we want to pull out. In this season, and particularly this episode, just thinking about the fact that God is gazing at us. And what does it mean that God gazes at us? So here in, in this scripture passage, Hagar's recognising that God sees her. God, you know, she's run away. She's trying to hide. <laughs> she's, she's wherever the road to Shur is. I don't know. But she's like on the road to Shur. And the, the Lord knows where she is. And, you know, the Hebrew people understood that if they saw God, they would die. Mm. Um, but she sees God and she sees that he sees her. And she lives. Um, and it goes on to say that um, the well there is called Bear Laharoi, which means, um, you know, that she has seen God and that he has seen her. And there's lots of different ways in which that's in interpreted. And um, it says in this translation here that she meant, have I really seen God and remained alive after he saw me? Like, she can't believe that she's seen God. But somehow we know in this encounter, she knows she's been seen. And somehow she's seen him. I, I don't know if she sees him or she knows she's been seen. But yeah, so I'm, I'm really captured by this idea of, of God seeing us. And um, God always sees us. And I think there's lots of different ways that we might react <laughs> yeah. to that. I mean, I don't know if either of you have got like any just initial response to that. Like what does it mean to just be seen by God? You know, that he is a God who sees. There's a few things that just really strike us just as you were talking the first thing is that I heard in a new way as you read that scripture just about the fact that he told her to go back to this difficult situation and she did it so there was something in the seeing or the meeting his gaze that she trusted him completely mm. and I'm like wow because often it's the right thing to not go back to 
certain situations and we would never you know the Lord doesn't want us to to be in those traumatic circumstances when we shouldn't be but in this instance there's something about his trust sorry her trust in him that it was the right thing and she knew it and she knew it was from the Lord I'm like wow that that is big and the other random thing that struck me is about literally just before we started recording I was looking for a note on my phone and I, I came across uh, the picture of this morning sunrise and actually it you asked Alice is that your house well the truth is it was about a minute away up the road and it was so beautiful that I stopped pulled over got out of the car and took the picture because I wanted to capture it mm. and I think there's something about us pausing for mm. the beautiful us gazing on the beautiful that it captures our attention that we have to stop so that sense of pulling over this morning to to capture that yeah. sunrise picture to send to my husband because uh, I knew he'd really enjoy it and he was still fast asleep when I left <laughs> the house um, that there's something about God's gaze on us it's because we are um, we kind of arrest his eyesight mm-hmm. you know that there's something about um, that gorgeousness of us that he gazes upon his creation. And that's amazing, Anna, because the, the other quote that I wanted to bring to this is um, exactly that. So it's it's this idea that actually in the beginning, when God created the universe, um, and we read, you know, in Genesis that he created every day, and then at the end he created us, and then he stops and he says, you know, he says about everything else, it's been good, it's been good, you know, that's very... And then he looks at us and he says, it's very good. And then the next day he rests. Hmm. So this idea that you have to stop, get out of the car and, you know, we have to take a moment to take yeah. in something that's beautiful. Um, John Paul II teaches us, there's a letter that John Paul II wrote called Dies Domini. Uh, we'll put a link in the notes um, for you to have a look. And I wanted to share this quote, which is from paragraph 11 of that document and this document is basically about Sunday right it's about the Mm. day of rest and he's explaining why the day of rest is so important etc etc just to give it its context but at the beginning of this document he's talking exactly what you're talking about which is this gaze of God that that is arrested like he's arrested (laughs) and he's resting Mm. in the beauty of who we are I mean you know I don't know about you, but if you think about the gaze of God and the fact that he's seeing me all the time, I don't necessarily feel that comfortable about that. <laughs> and I think that's one of the things we're going to explore yeah. during this season is like, what is my reaction to the fact that God is looking at me all the time? You know, yeah. is it like big brother? Um, <laughs> or is it like, you know, that this is a is a good thing? And, and for me, this is something I've really struggled with. Mm-hmm. And I'll share that um, later in one of the episodes this season. But what I need to come to is the truth of what this gaze is. Um, so I want to just share with you that um, this quote from this document, and he's he's talking about this very good work, you know, um, that 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 God rests before. So he says the divine rest of the seventh day um, doesn't allude to an inactive God. You know, God isn't just monging out on the sofa, <laughs> um, but it emphasizes the fullness of what has been accomplished. So he's like. He's resting because he's done well, you know, he's done a good job. (laughs) He's like, another good job done by me. This was a quote I picked up recently from a talk by Matt Lozano that he was painting his bathroom and his wife heard him saying, another good job done by me. And I just see, this is what God's doing, you know, at the end of creation, another good job done by me. I'm just going to sit and enjoy this work that I've created. 
I think that's really lovely. Like it makes me think when you're talking about it, it makes me think of, you know, like when people craft something beautiful and you get like little tags that say like made with love. But like I was thinking about when I've finished a craft project, which occasionally I do, you do, you take a moment to sit there and I sort of like enjoy the sit and enjoy the textures of it or the whatever it is. And it just before you give it to whoever you're giving it to or whatever, you just want to sit and yeah. I think you're more creative than me. For I think <laughs> when I look at something, I'm like, this is a disaster. <laughs> but God didn't create a disaster and he doesn't create junk, does he? And he's absolutely in the war of his own work. Um, and John Paul II, he, he says, basically he speaks as, as it were of God's lingering mm. before the very good work. That's what it says in Genesis one thirty one. Yeah, that we are very good. And this is a work that his hand has wrought. And he... He lingers in order to cast upon it a gaze full of joyous delight. And in the document, that's actually like italicized, just that phrase, that he casts upon us a gaze full of joyous delight. And he goes on to say that this is a contemplative gaze. Now, I'm not really, I wouldn't be called a contemplative person by many people, <laughs> because I think contemplation is, is about that stopping, what you were talking yeah. about, Anna, isn't it? It's stopping and being in the moment. And it's a contemplative gaze which does not look to new accomplishments but enjoys the beauty of what has already been achieved. So I love that. You know, it's God's joyous, delightful gaze in how great we are, not in anything that we're going to do. And he's not looking for us to do more. He's just like, wow, you are phenomenal. I mean, you know, he's, <laughs> he's just... He yeah. just thinks we're amazing. And I think we just... <laughs> don't have a sense of that. Um, and, and in this document, he goes on to say that this is the gaze which God casts on all things. So I just want to pull it out that God's gaze is not just on me, it's on the earth, isn't it? Like, yeah. it's on the universe. And um, But he, then, he does say, on a, in a special way, upon man, you know, upon humans, which are the crown of creation. And he says it's a gaze which already discloses something of the nuptial shape of the relationship God wants to establish with the creature he's made in his own image by calling that creature to enter a pact of love. So this is why, for me, like this theme of the gaze of God is so key to the beloved ministry. You know, like it's actually being loved, you know, being in his gaze is being loved being delighted in, allowing ourselves to be delighted in and allowing ourselves to look at him who loves us and receive that love. You know, it's it's like so linked together, really. It's a challenge, isn't it, in, in Advent? I love that phrase, joyous delight. Like as we're walking around the supermarket in Advent, we hear Christmas carols mm. kind of declaring joy and, mm. you know, we can you know feel almost that we should feel joyful and you know there's a pressure to but actually we also know and we're called to pause to recognize the joy because otherwise it just feels like you are razzing around the supermarket with your trolley thrown things in <laughs> and it's so busy and you know to, that sense of pausing for the joy in the season of advent you know how does that happen for you you know how, when are you going to pause mm -hmm. and in the midst of family life in the midst of busy work in the midst of whatever difficulties you're having at the moment how can you allow that moment for the lord to, to gaze on you because yeah. actually he does 
gaze on you all of the time. Mm. Like, you know, I remember the first time that I looked after my nephew and his parents had gone out and uh, I spent the whole night watching the baby monitor basically because I was a newbie to looking after a baby and I didn't want anything <laughs> to go wrong but that sense of I was just looking at the looking at him and then going upstairs and checking on him and just thinking how beautiful mm. like how amazing and he was just sleeping he didn't know I was watching so God watches us no matter mm. what we're doing where we're at whether we don't meet his gaze but in this season of Advent it's a real opportunity and that's what I love about the church's year that the wisdom of the church is that she gives us these moments to say, okay, stop. Mm. Whether that's a Sunday, whether that's a longer season like Advent or Lent, but the church is calling us to say, okay, stop, stop. Allow God to look at you and gaze back at him, mm. gaze back at him. Because actually Mary in this season is a real role model. She's a role model all seasons for us. Um, but I think, I don't know, are we are we coming back to Mary? Should, yeah. should I pause? Yeah. I'll pause. I've got a few thoughts on Mary, so yeah. let's let's pause for that. Yeah, yeah. For a moment. Yeah. I think I think like you were saying, um, there's that idea of it's it's always there. Like you were saying with the, the baby monitor thing. We're maybe not always aware, but God is always looking at us. And that made me think of um Psalm 139. It says, Where shall I go to escape your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I scale the heavens, you are there. If I lie flat in Sheol, you, there you are. If I speed away on the wings of the dawn, if I dwell beyond the ocean, even there your hand will be guiding me, your right hand holding me fast. When I read that, I think of... that. There's, there's nowhere that is outside of God's gaze like physically so if i go to the ends of the ocean or or where the dawn breaks or whatever you know like geographically there's nowhere i can go um but also you know, when the psalmist is talking about if i lie down in the depths of sheol like that's that's a spiritual place right so even at my most despairing you're still there and even when i'm in my most euphoric you're still there and everywhere in between you're still there so that gaze is universal it's everywhere and in every state of myself and whether I'm looking back at you or not you're there and it's not oppressive I mean it says your your hand is on me but not in like a squashing me down kind of a way <laughs> like I'm thinking more like a, a comforting a hand reassuring. On yeah 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 a hand on like like almost like a like I'm holding your hand like you you're good it's all good I'm here even in and I think like that makes me think back to Hagar like in that moment she's in that depths of despair isn't she she is at this point of absolute desperation she's been treated horrifically she's had no agency at all she's had no choice in any of the thing you know as a slave she's had everything taken away from her 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 choices her abilities and even this semi life of security of being a slave in this relatively wealthy household that's been taken away now because of this distorted relationship with her mistress and her master and so 
she's she's been treated as as nothing and what in this moment in the scripture what she's experiencing is god's gaze is there and she is seen in that moment of suffering um and i think that's what really comes across in in this image that we're looking at so the the image as we said it's in the show note there's a link in the show notes and it'll be on our social media but in this image we have hagar standing or crouching or kneeling on what seems like the edge of the world the way that i'm looking at it it it's a very precarious position she's so vulnerable in that position and and it does it it's a it's a look of of desperation and despair and bleak moment and then there's this gaze this column of light coming down and meeting her where she is in that moment and the colors change don't they because mm. the colors where she is are kind of browns and dark and then the light from the rest of the picture and the color and the vibrancy that shines on it really just uh, the contrast of it in terms of the way the artist has brought it about you know that what's outside is bringing light to that situation you know that beam of light mm. um yeah yeah I, i'm struck like you use the word vulnerable like her vulnerability in that you know like and our vulnerability in in the gaze of god you know that actually like you were saying if we're from psalm 139 you know, the whole of that psalm is how God knows us, like from the moment of our conception. You know, He knows us in our womb. Mm. He knows um, every word that's on mm. our tongue before we even know. You know, like He He knows us through and through. I, I know you were sharing with me yeah. the other day how you had that experience of yeah. So a couple being of fully known. Yeah, know? a couple of years ago, I was um, doing some counselling studies, um, and one of the things that we were exploring in in the class was the sort of different facets of our identity and how you know with your colleagues you have one identity with your family you have one identity with different groups of friends you you have different identities in these different places and we were talking about well who knows all of your identities really and I was really struck in that moment of you know even even my parents they have one side of me even my husband knows a lot of my identities but doesn't necessarily know all of me and who knows actually all of me and the only person who can possibly know all of the parts of me is God and I was really struck in that it was a real moment of like whoa what are those like you were saying with the sunset a real pause and like this is and and when that sort of thing happens to me what happens to me is that I cry (laughs) (laughs) I'm a crier too absolutely you know when I have those moments of, of connection with the almighty it is just tears stream down my face and of course in this room of people who want to be counselors they're all like oh, are you okay are you okay blah, blah blah and i was like no it's it's fine it's actually i'm really i'm really really happy these this is just what happens when god talks to me i just cry for half an hour <laughs> and it's beautiful when those opportunities come about really isn't it in, yeah. in the most unexpected yeah. times when you realize what God is teaching you. So like you through that, that counselling mm. course moment. And there was a, a story that came to mind just as we were preparing of when, um, so my dad had MS for all of uh, all of my life, so multiple sclerosis. And um, as time went on, he wasn't always able to kind of speak because um, his kind of throat muscles weren't very strong. Um, but, you know, his, his mind was still very active and 
you know, he was very much part of, of life. And when I, I lived away from home um, at the end of his life, and I basically, whenever I would come home, I would, like, his eyes would just light up when I came into the room. And, like, it was just, I, I knew it. And, and it really gave me a real deep sense of being known and being seen and being loved, even when he couldn't speak, e mm. even when, you know, we hadn't had a conversation. It was just the fact that I was there and he was seeing me that that just kind of like his eyes lit up and i used to use it in talks when i was given to teenagers for assemblies or you know youth retreats and things so i knew it but i didn't um speak about that with my family as such mm. and then after my dad died my brother actually wrote us an email and the email was beautiful and we're not really a family of talk and gushiness to each other it's just you know we do love each other deeply but you know we're speaking it out isn't necessarily our normal way or it wasn't then anyway and um in this email he just described how he'd seen whenever i gave dad a hug how his face lit up and like oh wow like just how beautiful it was mm. to to know that and there's something about when we are gazed upon with eyes of love and you know we can have all sorts of gaze on us and we'll look at that over the series i think you know gazes that aren't comfortable and gazes mm. that have hurt us or you know but we'll look at that later but when we really do experience a gaze of love it's a reflection of god's love mm. it's a reflection of what his infinite love is all about because actually, when I walked in the room and I knew that Dad was delighted to see me, I stood taller. All four foot eleven of me stood taller. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the sense of... I've always had this... Um, I guess it's a confidence of, yeah. like, I can, I can do anything. I can get on with it. That's fine. And that doesn't come from nowhere. That comes from knowing really deeply that you're loved. And that was a gift that Dad had given us that I didn't even really know. And when you translate that into a relationship with the Lord, I'm even more confident in it. Doesn't mean that I don't have bad days and moments of lack of lack of confidence, but there's something fundamentally in me that I just know that God loves me and I want that for other people. Mm. When I see their brokenness, when I see that they are struggling, I want and I know my solution is, if I remember, is to meet God's gaze. Mm. That actually that heals that restores that brings about a newness of life and a confidence to walk like Hagar did yeah. back into those difficult yeah. situations because life throws stuff at us doesn't yeah. it that's what I was exactly just thinking about because we we were talking about that earlier and then you mentioned mm. it earlier as well you know that 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 ability she has to go back into yeah, yeah. a place of suffering even yeah you know and like you were saying earlier and we wouldn't necessarily ask people to do that or that's not necessarily the right course of action but actually in this situation the Lord is telling her to do that he's also promising her <laughs> yeah. the, you know it, this massive blessing through her son um so she's you know it there's there's a hard call there but there's also the, the prophecy isn't there yeah. and the blessing and, and the truth of what's to come but like just listening to what you're saying so beautiful it's so beautiful that you had that from your dad and the confidence it's given you and I've known you a long time you've always been a confident person mm. you know like nothing's gonna phase Anna you know yeah. and I think I've seen that before as you were just sharing that I was thinking I've seen that when I've watched like you know these shows like The X Factor or yeah. 
Britain's Got Talent and you can see the people whose dads are like their champions <laughs> do you know what I mean I remember seeing this girl who was like so young and she had such confidence but then like in the little VTs they show you know the, the, the dad was like her biggest champion and I think if you've got that in your life you know you've got someone who loves you who just says you're the best thing since sliced bread and you know it and you believe it it changes who you are and as you were saying Anna not all of us have had that experience and of course some people are living even in this terrible suffering that Hagar's mm. living in you know abused and neglected and not known and um but I've seen that as well for people who've had that kind of suffering when they know the Lord knows yeah and the Lord has seen and the Lord always has known and always seen everything they've gone through it gives them the the grace they need to change to carry on to forgive whatever it is that the lord might be calling Mm -hmm. so i think i'm excited that we're going to explore some of those themes during the season because i think exactly what you're saying you know the confidence that the gaze Mm -hmm. brings or the healing that the gaze can bring or um you know the new life or the joy that the gaze can bring you know what i mean like i think our whole lives can be changed if we begin to live in this in this gaze like you know I've actually been preaching on this for a number of years like it just it was a thing that came up for me like this thing of learning to live in the gaze of God and I can't tell you that I do it at all (laughs) you try you know I try I try but it's like you know to, to live every day and to put yourself before the Lord and go right how do you see me Lord you know just kind of connecting with that yeah connecting with that truth really um but one other thing i just want to say about hagar what also struck me is you know hagar's not part of the Jew- the, the jewish people no. she's not part of the chosen people she's an egyptian slave yeah. and actually this gaze of god is universal isn't it like god's yeah. gaze is on every on everything i mean john paul ii saying is on everything not just people but on every person and i just as we go into advent and i don't know what it is people are reflecting on but to know that for those those that you're praying for, those that you love, and those that you don't know, you know, the strangers and so much suffering going on in the world now that the Lord sees it all and we, yeah. and we can just um, put everything, <laughs> put ourselves, yeah. you know, in into that gaze and just trust that, yeah, his gaze is on all of us, you know. Mm. Well, with that in mind then, it's possibly a good time to come back to, to the role model of Mary in mm. Advent and... The scripture that struck me as we were preparing was the one from the Magnificat and the line that says, He has looked on his servant in her lowliness. Henceforth, all ages will call me blessed. He has looked on his servant in her lowliness. Henceforth, all ages will call me blessed. So maybe this Advent we can pause we can be arrested by a a, a moment hopefully in the midst of all your Christmas preparations just to pause and to see where those moments are where you have known a look of love Mm. whether that's from somebody or from the Lord and if you haven't known that this is a really great time to ask the Lord to show you his gaze Mm. to pause Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, if you can get to it, is a beautiful time to sit with the Lord and allow him to gaze on you and for you to gaze on him. In that scripture, it says that he saw Mary in her lowliness, in her humility, just as she was. 
So this Advent, we really just want to encourage you to be really honest with the Lord about, he already knows, he sees you, he's already gazing on you, but to meet his gaze, to, mm -hmm. en to engage with his gaze and to speak to him from the heart of those things of where you are, what's going on, the joyful things, the more difficult things. And from there, like for Mary, it says, henceforth all ages will call her blessed. And the only reason we call her blessed is because she met the gaze of God, because she responded to him seeking her out and he seeks us out. Mm. So let's just pause um, as we finish um, this episode. Lord, we thank you for Mary's uh, role model, that she is a role model for us of saying yes to you, of saying yes to meeting your gaze. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, help us to lift our eyes to meet your gaze. Lord, where we are fearful to look you in the eye because of our sin or our brokenness, our desperation. We thank you that we know that we will meet your gaze, which is always a gaze of love. Always a gaze that longs to restore and heal and bring peace. So in this season of busyness, we ask that you would find a moment with us, that we would find a moment with you, so that you may restore and heal and bring peace. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us for this first episode of our season three, where we're focusing on the gaze of God. Um, we're going to pick up next time on the third week of Advent. We're going to pick up with Mary and Joseph and their experience of the gaze of God and also how that might not always be comfortable. So we look forward to joining you again then. Don't forget to have a look in the episode notes where you'll find links to the image that we've talked about, to the song that we've chosen to link to this episode and to our social media. You'll also find the scripture references and uh, a link to the letter from John Paul II. Um, yeah, and contact details if you want to get in touch. Have a wonderful couple of weeks and we will see you soon, beloved sisters. <laughs>